with a look back over the weekend sports action. This is Full Time on KCLR with Sinead Kyo. Welcome along to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Uh, I hope I find you well on this Monday evening. There's lots to come on the show today. We're going to be hearing later on from the chairman of the Fighting Cox GAA Club to hear about the club's efforts to help Ukrainian refugees. We're also going to hear uh, from the left-wing back podcaster, Kevin Regan, about Carlo's draw with Kildare yesterday in Newbridge. Um, but before I start the show, I just want to extend my... Uh, most sincere sympathies to the Shefflin family and the whole community in Ballyhale who were in mourning this week um, after the sudden passing of Paul Shefflin. Such a, a sad loss, um, great family man, great hurler who represented his club and his county with great pride and I am joined on the line now by former uh, Kilkenny hurler Owen Larkin. Um, Owen, we're, we're going to chat uh, about um, the Kilkenny match at, at the weekend but uh, before before that I, I'm sure you'd also like to just extend your sincere sympathies to the Shefflin family as well. Absolutely, Sinead, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy. Um, as you said, they're such a young man, young family, um, and I got to know Paul over a number of years, you know, would have played against him a number of times and, you know, a very, very tough opponent, but uh, a really, really nice lad and obviously, look, I... I played with Kenny with his brother Henry and I know most of his family, most of his other brothers and his mother and father as well. So, um, sad, sad loss and look, my sincere condolences to the Shefflin family and all the Shefflin family and his wife and kids as well. It's a, it's a very sad loss and look, we're all thinking of at this very, very tough, tough time. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they played. They had a, a lovely tribute to him in Parky Cueve uh, at the weekend as well for for Galway versus Cork. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure Henry Henry really appreciated that. Um, but yeah, just I suppose just looking just to kind of uh, touch on those league games. Then uh, Kilkenny had a had a great win over Dublin in Par- Parnell Park there on Saturday. Yeah, they did, and I suppose um, going up to Dublin uh, last Saturday, I think. Most of the country probably expected Dublin to put on a performance and beat Kilkenny. It just happened that, you know, Kilkenny had a really good day and Dublin probably had a really poor day. Um, but, you know, I think the, the way of expectation probably gets, gets to Dublin because when everybody expects them really to win a performance, they invariably let you down. And, uh, and that's what happened again the weekend. But take that away from Kilkenny's performance. They, they were, they were very good on the night and, you know, I took the score as well. And, you know, from a very early stage in the match, you could see they were well up for the game and that. So um, it was a very good performance. And, you know, we still have, still waiting on a couple of the Shamrock lads to come back into the, into the fold and maybe a couple of injuries to come back as well. So they're in really, really good shape um, coming towards the end of the league and hopefully we can take on then once the league finishes again. Yeah, and I suppose it's a, it's a good time to be peaking really as well, just kind of as you come towards the end of the league and looking ahead to the championship. I think we're maybe five weeks out from the championship, so not a bad time to be kind of um, getting to your peak performance. But who who kind of stood out for you there uh, on Saturday evening on? Yeah, look, I'm probably biased. Um, I'm probably biased when I say this, but I think Keane Kenny has really stood up to the players. You know, a young guy from my own club, um, you know, I've seen his his development and the potential that has been there over the last number of years. Probably his size is not what you'd expect from an inter-county hurler, but he has such a good hurling brain. Uh, he, he he has all the skills in the, in the world. And, uh, you know, I think he has the attitude for inter-county hurling as well, which is a massive, 
part of it. But along with him, I think Hugh Lawler was was very very good the other night as well. Um, you know, from from a neighbouring club, I suppose it's, it's hard for me to hard to say that. But look, I think from the time he came into the Kenny Panel, he's really really improved his game. He's he's kind of solved the problem of full back for Kenny. Um, that we uh, we needed to solve over the last couple of years, and you know I think probably if we could if we could maybe get another full back, I think we could use use strength uh, at centre back as well, um, which which Brian would probably like to do, but probably uh, can't at the moment because we were struggling with to to find another full back. But I thought he had a tremendous game again, uh, and really over the last couple of years, I don't I can't remember him having a bad game. Um, so that's a, that's a very good sign as well that he's. You know that he, he's up for, he's up for the challenge and, and things like that. So, but those, those two lads, I think, really stood out uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, and I heard uh, I heard Cody just comment um, after the game and and say like you know that the attitude of his players was top class and I think that's something honesty out on the field seems to be something that that Cody values above all else, really. Well, that's it. Above all else, you know, the hurling comes after you have your your mindset, your attitude, right? And I think. You know, as I said earlier on, from the very very early stage of the game Saturday night, you could see the body language, the attitude was spot on, and they were chasing down and hunting the packs. And you know, Brian has always stated that in the time I was in there, you know, if he can get those things right, hurling will always follow because you know there's a tradition there that we always have good hurlers in Kilkenny, and you know if we can if we can really nail nail the attitude and spirit and all the things you associate with a Brian Cody team. The hurling follow, invariably follows, and it did uh, on Saturday night as well. Um, having said that, you know I, I do t- still think we need to find one or two uh, once the championship starts. I think we were, we're probably down the pecking order in regards to probably being favourites for the All Ireland. But um, that never bothered any team uh, before in the past, and, and, and it probably won't bother Brian Cody too much at this stage. You know, you take every game as, as it comes. Um, and he'll have the he'll have the players really, you know, wound up and and, and ready for action uh, come the championship time. Yeah, and I know you mentioned there TJ and the Ballyhay lads are going to be um, rejoining the 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 panel very soon. Um, but just I suppose like with TJ, I, I just noticed over the last two games, especially the forwards are really performing, especially the likes of Mossy Keown there. And I I just wonder, like, do you think that TJ's absence maybe has forced? The, the forwards just to be a bit more dynamic a little bit more resourceful up front Yeah well it definitely has because over the last couple of years I suppose we're, we're really dependent on TJ and uh, <clears throat> his absence probably has spurred the lads on and I just hope when he does eventually come back that you know the lads don't just sit back on their laurels and wait for TJ to do it I hope to kick on another bit but just on TJ there I, I heard the other day that maybe after his honeymoon he's, he's heading for brain surgery I hope that's I hope that's just a rumour and not true because year is so short as it is it might be tough for him to get back to full tilt if he, if he is undergoing a race. But um, look, you know, as I said, we we have TJ to come back probably all Cody, Adrian Mullen. I would expect uh, Adrian Mullen probably to have a, a better year than what he had last year. I know he was coming back from the crucial injury last year and his confidence was probably a bit low. So hopefully he he will have a a bit more confidence going into this championship after um, probably a, a good club campaign and a good run to the All-Ireland club final as well so um, he'll definitely be an added bonus if the confidence is back with him as well 
Yeah, and definitely a well-deserved break. I don't think anyone can argue with that. He's he's done a um, non-stop hurling kind of really over the last two years. So well-deserved, but I'm sure they're they're very much looking forward to his return. Um, just looking at some of the other the other matches at the weekend. Uh, then on just I suppose the the story of the league campaign so far, especially in in Division One, has been uh, Limerick, and I suppose how they're performing. They're they're yet to get a win. Uh, what's your assessment of of how Limerick are doing at the moment? Yeah, look, I suppose they're, they're going to be disappointed, you know, yet to have a win, but I, I, I can't see John Kiley pushing the panic button just yet. Um, look, they're probably a bit behind in, in regards to training with other, you know, as regards to other teams, they're probably a bit behind in fitness work. Um, in, in Hurland, they're definitely behind, you know, you can see that. They're, they're just a slight bit ring rusty. Um, having said that, you know, you know, would you wonder, has the rot in there, you know, are they believing some of their own hype? Um, I think only time will tell with that. We'll, we'll only get the, the true facts of that when the championship comes around because ultimately that's what they'll be judged on. You know, If they go on and win the all Ireland this year, nobody will remember that they lost the first uh, three or four league games of, of 2022. So um, they'll, they'll be judged on, on how, the, how far they go in the championship. And Like I said, John Kiley won't be pushing any panic buttons just yet, but they do need to knuckle down now and um, I, suppose, I suppose try and get... Uh, that confidence back and get get two points on the board and, and maybe kick on from there but um, look we, we can all see that they have the hurlers there um, and it's just about trying to get the attitude right and get the fitness levels where they need to be and I'm sure they'll come good uh, before the summer is out yeah, just another big game there at the weekend um, was Galway and and Cork, and just listening to uh, you know it was um, Jackie um, Jackie Tyrrell and Davy Fitz were on commentary duties there with the Sunday game, but just a big talking point was the the hand passing, and I'm just interested to kind of get your your thoughts on that. Just I suppose the the hand passing and really how it's turned. There's a lot of people actually throwing a lot of players throwing the ball. Um, what do you make of that? How has that managed to to creep into the game and how? How do you stamp it out? Yeah, look, it's it's a thing that has been brought up numerous times over and over again over the last couple of years. And even Saturday night in Parallel Park, I think there could have been five or six freeze blow for it as well. But my opinion on it would be, unless you're 100% sure that the... Or unless the referee is 100% sure that the ball has been thrown, you know, you need to let it go because nobody wants to stop-start game. And especially, you know, for, for a silly thing like that, you know, if we go into the summer and the championship games are tight and they're coming down to down to the wire and maybe it's a draw game and next thing one of the teams is blue for throwing a ball and uh and, and they end up losing the game, you know, replays probably show then that, you know, there was a clear strike in action then and but you know, the game is over and the team goes to the championship. You know, how can the GA or referee stand over that? And it's not good enough anymore that the referee can come out and say you know, sorry, I made a mistake after, you know, lads are putting in the, the time they're putting in, the effort they're putting in, and probably putting their lives on hold for, you know, the chance maybe to play in the ladder and final and is taken away with some of that. So I would urge the GA to, to, to say to the referees, you know, unless you're 100% sure that the ball has been thrown, let the play uh, develop because, you know, as you said, everybody is doing it, you know. It's just it's just everybody wants to get get that pass away mm. very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and they don't want to be intercepted. You know, I don't think anybody has an intention of throwing the ball. Um, obviously, it happens now and again. But I think we just need to let it go uh, unless the referee is, is 100% sure on the, on the decision. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one because like you say, Owen, it's just the modern game and they just want to kind of get the edge in any way they can just to, I suppose, get that pace, get that speed. Um, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds over the, the championship season as well, whether, you know, the refs, the referee is going to kind of blow for it. Um, but just one last thing then, Owen, before I let you go, uh, your old team, your old school team, St. Kieran's are into another final. Uh, would you fancy them um, coming up against Art School Reach now in a couple of weeks' time? Yeah, look, I suppose, you know, I was fancy St. Kieran's wants to get into, into that territory. Um, our school reach, obviously, would be a formidable outfit, uh, outfit, but look, it has the makings of a great game, really, and they're always good games between those two sides, but look, I think Kieran's, you know, from, from way back, they have the belief to go on and win it, no matter what kind of team they have, you know, whether it's it's weaker than last year or stronger, they have that belief in the school that they that they're you know, that they should be there and that they deserve to be there. So I think it'll be it'll be a cracking game but I I think Kieran's well edged. I, I think just that inner belief that they have in themselves, uh, in the school and, you know, it's, it's spread right down to the players and it's spread right down to I suppose first year when you when you come in, you know, as a hurler, that's all you want to do is play for Play for the college with the tradition that's there. I have no doubt that they'll go on and win it after a very tough game. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a great contest anyway between the two schools. Well, look, I'll have to leave it there, on. But listen, thanks so much. It was lovely chatting to you, and I'll, I'll chat to you again soon. Please, God. No matter, thanks a million. Thanks so much, on. Thanks so much there to Owen Larkin. We're going to take a quick break now. Uh, coming up after the break, uh, we're going to be speaking to the left wing back podcaster, Kevin Regan, about the drama that unfolded in Newbridge uh, yesterday, where Carlo managed to salvage a draw with Kildare. Um, and that's coming up just after this break. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartzskoda.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Uh, now, as promised, just before the break there, we're going to be speaking to Kevin Regan now, um, just in a second, from the Left Wing Back podcast. Yesterday, in uh, Division 2A of the Allianz League, uh, there was a clash between Carlo and Kildare. Uh, have a quick listen now to this. Carlos, Lee. Here we go. Oh, it's over. It's Nolan. It's over. It's Nolan. What is Level game. Five minutes into injury time. Wow. Carlo 20 points. Kildare 214. Everything on the line. And Chris Nolan from a 21 yard sideline ball has put it straight between the posts. That was Kevin Regan there doing commentary for us for KCLR. Uh, Kevin, are you there? Yeah, even Sinead, how's things? Not too bad. A lot of drama there yesterday in Newbridge. Yeah, there sure was. We've uh, just about calmed down, I think. Uh, we did have to have a bit of a nap after the game because I was just wore out, to be honest. It was it was enthralling. Um, mad, mad game, really, I suppose. And I think from a Carlo point of view, just blessed to have got something out of it because if you go through the facts and figures, like Kildare hit 15 wides. Um, they missed probably, I'd say, at least six scoreable frees. Um that on any other day will be gone straight between the posts. And I think the fact that Carlo got anything out of it at all, and this has been, you know, brutally honest, and I'm not trying to be harsh on Carlo, the fact that they got anything out of it at all, um, you know, they'd have to be counting their lucky stars because I don't think the performance is anywhere near the levels which they themselves have set over the last four or five years. Uh, I appreciate there has been a changing of the guard in terms of experienced players going. Uh, David English is no longer there. Eddie Byrne is no longer there. But having said that, we still have enough quality within our ranks to be performing a bit better. And I think 
we remarked upon it yesterday, Sinead, consistency. We haven't seen it from the car orders this year. Um, a fantastic performance against Westmead. Probably mediocre, I'd say, against the down uh, in that defeat. Poor last week. And I think yesterday, uh, yes, I have to be honest, they did produce some very good patches of hurling. But it was just patches. And ultimately, you know, it wasn't good enough. But you know what? The fact that there's a point got, uh, it puts us in with a chance. Destiny is not in our hands anymore. But we do have a fighting chance. Yeah, and I suppose the most disappointing thing about yesterday was that at half-time, you were seven points up. Carlo, seven points up at half-time. And even though I know you were saying there was only patches of, of good play and um, the first half, it, it wasn't outstanding by any chance. It was by any um, stretch of the imagination. It wasn't uh, their best performance. They weren't going at kind of full throttle, but they still managed to maintain a decent margin there between themselves and Kildare. So to have kind of let that slip in the second half, like how did that happen? Well, I suppose, yeah, I think it was 12-7, I think it was, a half a half time, Sinead. Um, so, like, they were in a good position having not played well, uh, being, being straight about it. In the second half, for the first 20 minutes, yes, they, they did push on. Uh, they were in a good position. I think they were six points up, possibly seven. And then, of course, a big turning point. Um, Brian Bourne stitched one. And it was a great finish, right? Take nothing away from him. I think one of our players might have been hooked in the lead-up to it. And that's a credit to Kildare because throughout the contest they were hassling and harrying and if you look up the field as a defender and see your corner forwards doing that and your wing forwards it's such a lift it's a saving of energy from a defensive point of view because you're not dealing with it as much but it just gives you that confidence and belief and I think that led to that goal as far as I can remember uh, I didn't see what happened in the aftermath but Jack Howard picked up a, a second yellow card Jack Sheridan was on the deck so the goal went in yes Carlo were still three points up but we were a man down and you know it was it was a big moment in the game. Carlo did have a goal chance as well uh, with Chris Nolan. He pulled on the ball first time. Very misfortunate not to see that go to the back of the net. Um, and then I suppose look the second goal was a shocking goal to give away. Uh, the ball came in, and uh, I, th- I think it should have been gathered firstly. Uh, it was batted back out into a dangerous area, and then Jerry Keegan. I mean, look, we said this yesterday, and it's a pity that we don't get to see the likes of Jerry Keegan play um, on our screens often enough, right? Because this guy's a class act. He'd make it in Kilkenny. He'd make it anywhere. He's absolutely brilliant. Uh, he was an opportunist. The strike wasn't great. Uh, you know, Dean Grennan probably should have saved it, right? It was a poor goal to give away. And all of a slap, you were in big, big trouble. Um, a couple of things, you know, we, we mentioned them in the commentary. Uh, we look for, for leaders. Uh, and to give Carlo credit, leaders did stand up. Sean Murphy put the body on the line at one stage. And I, it was just... Incredible bravery. Uh, he could have got a knee in the head very easily. Kildare could have had a third goal. Uh, Jack McCullough dived full length, took a ball straight off the side of the head. The helmet came off his head, such was the impact. Um, and then I think one thing that we kind of forgot yesterday was John Nolan's point to bring the margin down again because without John Nolan's point, we're not in a position where his brother Chris can put over the line ball. Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of positives. I, I don't want to seem like I'm being overly harsh on Carlo. We're just being realistic here. Yeah, I know, I know. And and you were saying that about consistency even yesterday during the commentary. I know that you mentioned that as well. And I suppose that's one of the most disappointing uh, things as well for them. You know, they had they had a, a great win against Westmead there uh, a couple of weeks back. And I know that they were really energised by that. So um, they were saying that it was their, their best 70-minute performance in two years. So I suppose just to not be able to build on that 
Um, now look, they got a draw. It's not like they lost yesterday, but I think that's probably. And I know that you did you did an interview there with uh, with Chris Nolan after the match, and he was saying he was bitterly disappointed. And I'd say that's probably a, a lot of it. Uh, w- would you agree, Kevin? That it's just that they can't seem to kind of get that consistency. Yeah, and look. You say things like that because you know what they're capable of, right? It's not like we're saying this and you're thinking, oh, that's very unfair. But when you know what they're capable of, this is why you make these kind of remarks. And Chris knew himself. It felt like a loss for Carla yesterday. It felt like a loss for Chris, even though he'd, he'd put over a wonder score and they got something out of it. That's the level that they have set for themselves. So it's not like uh, their supporters or analysts kind of making these remarks. The players themselves know. And they're honest enough to admit that. Um, I think... You know, something James said yesterday, I think he was he was he was right, um, in terms of we haven't had our best fifteen on the field. And that's not always been, I suppose, our fault in terms of injuries to mouse. Um and you know, we've we've had Nicholas Fieger Fitzpatrick was lucky to play yesterday, but our discipline has to improve. You cannot be getting sent off in matches and it's I suppose kind of interesting that uh Limerick are in a similar situation as other Ireland champions. They've well, they've played four games as well, they've had three red cards. Those are things you can control. You can't control injuries. They happen, right? But in terms of your own discipline, there's nobody responsible for that, only yourself. And that needs to be worked upon. It was a problem, Sinead, previous to Tom Mullally's reign. Uh, when Colin Bonner was there, we did go through a period of that. It was corrected. Um, and look, I understand no different to anyone. You can become frustrated on the field, but you have to control it because literally that is the win and losing of a game on inter-county level. Yeah, definitely. And like, like the kind of saying goes, control the controllables, like control the things that you actually can. Um, but yeah, and, and I know like the, you, you mentioned there Limerick as well, and they're kind of going through something similar at the moment with regard to discipline. Um, but uh, I know, I noticed that with regard to Limerick, they, t- they'd kind of tend to blame the referee and stuff like that. But in fairness to Carlo and in fairness to Tom Mullally, um, with regard to these kind of red cards and stuff he takes ownership doesn't he like he's he kind of holds his players accountable and I suppose that's positive anyway because unless you kind of own up to it you're not going to be able to um you know to kind of come up with the answers yeah that's it um in fairness and, and Tom would never kind of um I suppose show go anything he'd be very honest with, with everything he does and he wasn't happy yesterday either you could see when the team was in the huddle you know uh he wasn't he wasn't best pleased um and I suppose, you know, just, I know we're speaking a lot about Carlo, right? But there is obviously a Kilkenny connection there with David Herity over Kildare. And I think we need to give Kildare great credit, right? We, we've criticised their, their wide count and their shooting. And that's something that can be worked on. The free-taking can be worked on. In general, they came very organised. They had a plan yesterday. They dropped their wing forwards back into those gaps. Now, I suppose, interestingly, one of those players wasn't sitting in front of the fullback. They were actually both kind of in the channels on the wings between uh, seven and four, we'll say, and five and two. So that's where they were sitting. So there was still possible scope for Carroll maybe to hit John Doyle a bit more often, and that didn't happen. So we did play into their hands a little bit, but you still have to say fair play. They came with the plan. They put pressure on them high up the field still, even though they had bodies back in their own half. And um, I'll be very straight with you. Going into the last round in a couple of weeks' time, I will be in no way surprised whatsoever if Kildare gets something out of that game against um, Westmead. I, I know you mentioned there yesterday, Kevin, in the commentary, um, I think it was coming into the last period, uh, four minutes, um, the last four minutes of the game, you were saying, look, the, the leaders really need to stand up and be counted. D- do you think that they did? Do you think that they, they showed leadership on the field? 
I think they did, in fairness, yeah, because uh, if it's any other team, we might disappear. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think you have to give them a bit of character. And you know, I mentioned John Nolan's point. I mentioned Chris Nolan's one, and even Jack McCullough's block. I think we did. We kept. We kept plugging away. We didn't disappear when the chips were down. Um, and then I suppose one crucial moment. Just to, I know I'm going off on a tangent slightly, but we can't forget it was a bizarre decision where Fergal Horgan definitely held his hands out. James Bork was pulled to the ground inside in the area. He held his hands out as if he was going to give a penalty. And it just seemed like he thought for a second or two, no, and changed his mind and gave the free out. Now, personally, I thought it was a penalty. James Hickey thought it was a penalty. Uh, we could have been talking about something completely different, uh, being being quite honest about it. But that's the type of game it was. Like I, I rarely recall um, you know, speaking about a game that had so many talking points like this in the, in the immediate aftermath, particularly this early in the year in a league game. But... That's how important it was, Sinead. Like, I mean, with Chris Nolan standing over that 21, uh, the sideline of the 21, I should say, like, you're looking at a situation there where if this doesn't go over, then, okay, we've no chance whatsoever of promotion. Now we do have a chance. And the mad thing is, we can still get relegated. So this is the beauty of it. And a lot of people say the league is the best competition from a footballing sense more so. I think in general, it's it's a great competition across both courts. No, definitely, and I'm I'm actually really enjoying the league now at the moment. Um, and it's just I suppose that it's it's like you mentioned there. It's promotion, it's relegation, and it's you're running the risk of of uh, relegation, and just depending on how other games go as well. And like I suppose that's kind of maybe what makes it um, exciting. But just kind of on that, I suppose where they stand um, on the on the league table at the moment, because there was a little bit of confusion. I know, kind of leading up to the game. We were chatting about it here in scoreline and we were like, right, if they win today, they'll probably be in the league semi-final. If they lose, they're likely to be relegated. But what what is the story now? Were you able to kind of clarify that a little bit um, first, Kevin? Yeah, I was going for, I won't lie now, I was heading for the paracetamol yesterday evening. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to figure it out and, and, and suss it out, right? But to the best of, of my knowledge anyway and, and the last knowledge or whatever, look, the plain and simple thing is Carla has to do their bit and beat me, right? So the table, I'll just give the rundown of the table. Kerry are on top on six points uh, with a plus 32 score difference and down are second uh, also on six points with a plus four score difference. They play each other in the final round on the 19th of March, or Saturday 19th of March at two o'clock up in Ballycran. After that then, Westmead are currently sitting in third. They've got four points and a plus 15 score difference. Carlo are in fourth. They're uh, three points to their name with minus two of a score difference. Kildare also on three points but minus ten of a score difference and then you have Mead, uh, very poor score difference of minus 39 but they're on two points. So, what that really means is, if Mead were to beat Carlo, then Carlo uh, are in serious bother if West Mead uh, are beaten by Kildare, right? So, uh, even, if, even if Kildare gets something out of that game, if Kildare get a draw against West Mead, and if me beat Carlo, I think Carlo are gone down. And that's that's not good, right? But then on, on the flip side, what Carlo need to happen is obviously to beat Mead and then hope that Kildare gets something from the game against Westmead. So where would that put us? Okay, Carlo have head-to-head on Westmead. So if they finish on four points along with them, then you know they're, they, they could be in a, a decent enough uh, position from that point of view. Uh, they will go through. But if there's a draw on that, then Kildare... Kildare go on to four points uh, and Carlo go on to five points along with Westmead. As I said, that's that's head-to-head. If Kildare win then, uh, I think looking at at the moment, there is obviously an eight-point swing. So in simple terms, 
Kildare would need to beat uh, Kildare would need to beat Westmead by eight points more than what Carlo would be Mead by. And I appreciate that's an earful and a mouthful, but it's the best way I can put it. Um, there's so many variables like. I feel like I'm back in school now just trying to do an algebra <laughs> equation or something. Um, but yeah, but basically we need to beat, I'm saying we, I'm from Wexford, but uh, I've, I've become so, I've been, become so invested now. As well. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but need to beat Mead, um, in the next outing and I need to beat them well, really, because it's probably going to come down to scoring difference. Yeah, that's, that's it. There's a, there's a good chance of it anyway. Look, it's, it's one of, of, of many, variables but they just have to beat me as simple as that uh, and it's not going to be easy uh, because that fixture of course is up in Navin at 12.30 on Sunday the, the 20th of of March uh, at the same time Westmead are, are playing Kildare in Newbridge and that's probably a lot of the reason I think why I feel Kildare can get something out of that one like um, and do you know what you wouldn't be grudging it because they're putting in serious work Nacer other than champions um all those lads coming back bolstered the squad yesterday absolutely uh, because in the Kyoko game between the two sides there was a lot of lads that impressed me that day that I don't think they even saw game time yesterday that's the strength that was coming back and just to go off on a slight tangent Sinead I think it's worth mentioning yesterday before the game I think there was eight clubs who all played blitzes before the match started at half time those eight clubs played blitzes again against different teams obviously and the place was mobbed and what that did was it brought in parents as well in through the gates, which is good, obviously, from um, an admission point of view and gate receipts and stuff. And it's given those kids a great interest. And they'll look up and they'll see, whether it's a Jerry Keegan of Kildare or a Marty Kavanagh of Carlon, they'll say, wow, like, they're, they're like giants. And I think that's a great philosophy and a great thing to actually bring in um, in a general sense. And even at club level, uh, in Carlow and Kilkenny, in the senior championships, that maybe we will see this happening where if it's under 10s or whatever, they'll play at half-time and they'll feel important and it grows the game. Yeah, definitely. And, and matches like yesterday with all the excitement, especially at the end, um, does a lot for the promotion of the game. We'll look, we, we'll look forward to that um, that last round clash with Mead uh, coming up. And listen, Kevin, thanks so much and thanks for your, your commentary yesterday. You kept us all entertained. Um, so we'll, we'll be chatting to you again soon, hopefully. Thanks a million. Ta- ta- to thanks a million. Talk to you soon, Kevin. Uh, so coming up now, we're going to take a, a short break, but coming up after the break, um, I'm going to be speaking to Fighting Cox chairman, uh, John MacDonald. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie. Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. And um, now I'm joined on the line by uh, Fighting Cox Chairman John MacDonald. So after witnessing the terrible events uh, unfold over the past two weeks in Ukraine, the Fighting Cox GAA Club are now playing their part for the refugees in Ukraine by using their clubhouse as a collection point for much needed items. And um, so, John, thanks so much for for joining us um, on Full Time today. And um, where did this? I suppose when did you first kind of come up with this? idea um, to, to use the clubhouse as a as a collection point for those much needed items uh, Hi Sinead, thanks very much for having us on uh, Well Sinead, look at Louise, Louise Bulger has really been the driving force behind this um, 
she organised, did all the organising and running. Uh, we uh, advertised on our uh, Facebook pages, both the ladies and the men's club, the GA club, and uh, it grew from there. Um, there was uh, people were very generous, really community spent um, support there, and uh, they used the clubhouse as the drop-off collection there point there for the collection. So it was absolutely brilliant uh, response from the community. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I suppose, everyone with what's going on at the moment, they just want to feel like they're doing something that can that can help in in some way. But um, by the sounds of it, the response has been really good. Yeah, it was. Look at the horrifying, the pictures coming over uh, um, Ukraine at the moment. There are uh, women and children there being displaced from their homes, nowhere to go. You know, just the basic everyday things that we take for granted, you know, they're all gone and, and uh, you know, running around looking for shelter, you see them in the tube stations, under bridges. It's just harrowing. Like, you just can't imagine at this day and age that that's happening. Yeah, no, it's just, it's it's unbelievable, really. And it just kind of, I suppose, just after coming out of COVID and we've just kind of just about got over that. And now kind of this is happening in, in Ukraine. And it's just the, the sadness um, that's that's in the world at the moment. Um, it's just unreal. But yeah, like in, in the, at the collection point then, what kind of items are people bringing or, or what's needed just for anyone that, that I suppose wants to help out, wants to give in any way? What, what kind of uh, things are you looking for at the moment, John? Well, what they're looking for is medication, uh, clothing, blankets, sanitary, items, you know, everything like that that we take for granted. Uh, look, you, you, everyone has seen there's a million and a half gone over the border into Poland. So it's a humanitarian, um, project and it's all that stuff is needed for uh, the border areas there to keep people you know keep them warm you see the pictures there there's snow you know it's very cold out there so everything just to keep them, keep people warm and some little bit of comfort it's not all up but it's some little thing yeah exactly and and is there designated kind of uh, times for dropping things off or can they bring it at any time or, or what's the what's the situation there John yeah, well, the, the first uh, van load went over to club there on Saturday. Uh, so I, at the moment now, um, I don't know the, if we're going ahead with another one. Uh, that's gone into the depot in Carlow and it's gone on for distribution. So, But I know in Carlow there are several different locations in Carlow there where uh, items can be left. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Well, look, I know we 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 kind of touched on it there, but it's just it's great to see, I suppose, all of the uh, the goodwill that's that's out there um, around the country, and indeed in 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 Carlo and Kilkenny, and there's plenty other plenty of other um, GA clubs around the the counties um, that are that are doing something similar. But no, it's it's genuinely such a a nice gesture. Um, but I, I suppose it was the same during COVID as well. Like you know, I, I, the the community really rally around when 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 there's a crisis. Don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, and the GA clubs have have not been found wanting in anything. Even during COVID, uh, the GA clubs were number one in the firing line to deliver to you know uh, people living at home on their own or elderly and and to help. And it's the same with this, like Irish people in general. If your club, your county, the whole country has uh, rallied round, and and there is great help there to, to the Ukrainian people, and uh, they need a bit of help though in their hour need. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, John, it's been lovely speaking to you and thanks so much for coming on full time today and, um, all the best with, with the, the, with the, um, I suppose the fundraising, if you like, or with the, um, with the efforts. Yeah. yeah the collections yeah. that you, you have there at the moment in, uh, Fighting Cox GA Club in, in Carlo. So thanks so much for speaking to us today and sure, hopefully we'll, we'll get to chat to you again soon. Hopefully, and thanks very much, Ned. Thanks Thank so much, John. Thanks a million. Uh, well, that's just about all we have time for today. Thanks so much to all of my guests, and I'll be back again, same time, same place next week. Um, until then, I've mentioned AQO, and this has been full time. Uh, look after yourselves, and we'll chat to you again soon. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Skoda vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Skoda in Kilkenny, lahartsskoda.ie.